We are live. So welcome back to the Functional Yes, Functional Longevity Podcast. We give you insight on a get fit, feel younger, and live better. Uh, a little bit of brain freeze. I don't know. Hopefully that's not a little precursor for what's going to happen in the next half hour or so. But my name is Chris Board, a best-selling author and owner of Yes Fitness, coming to you live on this beautiful Tuesday from down here in Burlington, Connecticut. Finally, it seems like the weather has changed. Got some nice hot weather over the weekend to get out there for some run and some movement, my kind of weather. And um, it's finally making a change. That's what we're looking forward to. Hopefully it holds out for this holiday weekend. So before we get started with today's topic, we've got a little bit of housekeeping. First, we are closed all Memorial Day weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Yes, we are slackers. It's the first big holiday weekend. We haven't had a lot of participation in the past, so we uh, just going to shut it down. Everybody can just relax, take a few days off, and just kind of reset and be ready for the summer blitz. Second, we have got um, a summer sports camp coming up for middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, it's going to start on June, Tuesday, June 21st, I believe. No, Tuesday, June 28th. 28th is when our summer sports camp is going to start. Um, I should have put it in the link. I'll put it in the links up coming up next, next couple of weeks. Um, just so you can check out the landing page. It's, um, a speed camp. It's a conditioning camp. It's to get young athletes, in better shape, you know, speed is a skill. It can be taught. It's covered by all coaches. It's covered by all kinds of scouts. Typically, the faster you are, the more agile you are, the maybe the little better athlete you are. So we are going to work on a whole lot of stuff in this program. We're going to do proper warm-up. We're going to look at some sprinting mechanics, um, explosive first step, change in direction, acceleration, deceleration, uh, agility drills, uh, core strength, some total body strength, flexibility, injury prevention, going to boost some confidence here. It's really going to teach you some things, teach the young athletes some things that they can utilize year-round because speed is a skill that should be worked on like any other part of their performance, any other part of the performance skills. It shouldn't just be something they work on a little bit and then say forget about it. It's a year-round thing you should be working on. So we're going to try to teach some very simple techniques that they can work on year-round. So Tuesday, Thursday nights, starting June 28th, we have two four-week blocks. We're going to do on uh, from 5.30 to 6.30, the middle schoolers from 11 to 14 or so. And then from 6.30 to 7.30, we're going to do the um, high schoolers, 15 plus. And uh, I'll be sure to grab a, a link for that um, landing page. You can take a look at it or give us a call at 860-673-4293 to get some more information. Um, looking forward to it. We haven't done a speed camp or anything like this. We haven't worked with young athletes in quite some time. We ran quite a few speed camps uh, before we flipped over to Yes, changed our brand. But it seems like it's going to come back. We have some time to get it done. So let's see if we can help some more young athletes. Uh, second thing is um, we're coming up on our 200th podcast, and that leads me into today's broadcast, which we're going to talk about. Uh, let's see. 
how this little known key to boosting your insanely sluggish metabolism, what here it is, what is it could possibly be? And we're really what this is, is this is going to be a four part series, um, kind of reviewing, um, Dr. Teda's book, Next Level Metabolism. I went to uh, the IDEA conference at the beginning of the year, back in February, I believe. I took a workshop on metabolism, fact and fiction by Dr. Jane Schroeder. And um, in that, I mean, I thought I knew a lot about metabolism, but that really opened my eyes up to a few more things, some new things. I mean, there's always something new coming out. You always got to take, take a look at things and stay on top of it. And then um, this book was recommended to me by Alan Cosgrove. So I picked it up and read it and it had a tremendous amount of information. I think it breaks down the metabolism in very simple terms and how it works for fat loss or strength gains or muscle gains. So this is part one. Uh, we're going to do the other parts over the next few weeks. And our 200th episode is... Um, June 21st, and uh, we're scheduled to have fitness expert Rachel Cosgrove come on board and really take to take us to the end of this um, presentation, these, these four weeks, where we're going to talk about metabolism and menopause and get into hormones and things like that. So it should be really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to just um, trying to help, trying to educate trying to give people some information that will help them further themselves in their journey, in their fitness journey. So let's get started. Simply put, let's just, we're going to take down and just break this down to a very simplest form so you can understand what metabolism is and know that metabolism changes all the time. It's not just one steady thing. It's constantly moving. It's very flexible. So simply put, metabolism is the body's ability to break down carbohydrates fats and proteins, the foods that we eat, to a state the body can utilize them. The body utilizes this fuels in its metabolic, its metabolic pathways, pardon me. So we have anabolic assemblies, or the anabolic pathways where they assemble small molecules into larger ones, which takes energy. And then there's catabolic pathways, which breaks down larger molecules into smaller ones. So we're going to start off, I have a little slide presentation for us today. Let's um, get this up on the screen here. For those people who are not watching this, who are just listening to this, we'll go through each of the terms and try to make sure we can clarify everything for you, okay? So we're just going to start off first with TDEE. -E. That's your total daily energy expenditure. How many calories you burn in the whole day? Changes each and every day, and it's different for each and every person. But it's made up of two parts, okay? The first part we'll talk about is NREE, -E, which is non-resting energy expenditure. This is the part of the metabolism, okay, that we can affect, okay? So that's NRE, non-resting energy expenditure. Then we have TEF, which is the thermal effects of food. The amount of calories, okay, used for digestion and assimilation of food. So every time we eat, our metabolism burns some calories. So for example, protein takes the most energy to digest. About 20 to 30% of the total calories in protein eaten go to digestion. 
So if you eat 100 calories in protein, 20 to 30% of those calories are going to be utilized just to digest that protein. That's one reason why we like to have a high protein content in our, in our diets, okay? There's other reasons, but that's one of them, okay? Next is carbohydrates, which is about 5 to 10%. And then there's fats, which is about 0 to 3%. Fats are not very metabolic at all, okay? So... That is what TEF is, thermal effect of food. Then we get into NEAT, which is non-exercise activity thermogenic, okay, which is our activities of living. All the activities we do during the day, not exercise related. So it's non-exercise related, NEAT. And then there's EAT, E-A-T, exercise associated thermogenics. Or thermogenesis, okay, or the energy used through exercise. So those are the different things that we need to be talking about. And then finally, we want to talk about our resting energy expenditure, our REE. And this part of the metabolism is relatively stable and really not able to be immediately manipulated through lifestyle, where we can affect NEAT and resting energy expenditure and eat, or uh, pardon me, not resting energy expenditure, I should say, NREE, non-resting energy expenditure, thermal effects of the TEF, and eat and need are all things we can affect, but we can't affect, really affect immediately REE, or resting energy expenditure. And REE and basal metabolic rate of BMR, are sometimes often used interchangeably, and we will use them interchangeably today, okay? So our resting metabolic rate is the total number of calories burned when your body is completely at rest. So for doing nothing, our resting metabolic rate or resting energy expenditure, okay, is when we're doing absolutely nothing, okay? So resting metabolic rate supports breathing, circulating your blood or organ functions, and basing neurological functions. It's proportional to lean body mass and decreases approximately 0.01 calories per minute for each percent increase in body fatness. Now, that's going to be important as we look down the road here that as we increase our fatness, as we get a little bit fatter, our resting metabolic rate actually slows down. So let's get on to slide two, if I can find a body. So there's some terms we want to really know and understand, okay? So as we take a look at this slide, what makes up our metabolism or metabolic rate? So out of our total daily energy expenditure, it's made up of two things. The non-resting energy expenditures or NREE, and that's about 30% of our metabolism, and then we've got our resting energy percent energy expenditure, which is about 70% of our metabolism. Those are the two things which make up our metabolism. So if we want to break this down a little bit, the thermal effect of foods is about 10% of our non-resting energy expenditure. So about 10% of that 30% comes from the breaking down of our foods. And then NEAT, okay, which is our non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, 
is about 15% of our non-resting energy expenditure. So about half of our non-resting energy expenditure comes from meat. And then 5%, about 5% of our non-resting energy expenditure comes from exercise or, or things that are associated with exercise. So when we take a look at our resting energy expenditure or our RMR or BMR, we really can't affect that much. But we can see that the top part of the equation, we can affect by what we eat for our, for our thermal energy effect, by how much non-exercise we do and how much exercise we do. And that's really what makes up our metabolism. And understand that because we move and we change all day long, and some days we exercise, some days we don't exercise, and some days we're sitting on our butts all day, and some days we're out there being active all day, all that can affect our metabolic rate. So if you come to me and say, I don't have a metabolism, what is it you're doing to affect your metabolism? What are you, is it you're doing that is affecting the non-resting energy expenditure? Because we can't really affect in the short term. We can't really manipulate the resting energy expenditure. So in theory, okay, just a simple theory, thermodynamic principle is, the thermodynamic principle is calories in versus calorie out, okay? You can't change energy. So static energy balance equation would mean that the amount of weight to keep our weight maintenance or keep our weight the same, we have to have the same amount of calories in as the same amount of calories as we put out. It needs to be equal. And that will have, will maintain our weight. To gain weight, we have to have a positive energy balance, meaning we're going to take in more calories than we're putting out taking in more energy than we're expending. And then for weight loss, we have to have a negative energy balance. So that would mean that we are taking in fewer calories or less energy and we're expending more energy. But the problem with this is that that's not really how the body works. Okay. That's not really how our lives work because we're not sitting around doing absolutely nothing all day. What really happens is, popped wrong here too quick, is we have a dynamic energy balance equation. And this is really what happens. And it, the body corrects for weight loss projections. So if one pound of fat is about 3,500 calories, so if each week we would have a 3,500 calorie deficit, if we just went by calories in, calories out, okay, then after five weeks, we would be down five pounds. 3,500 calories per week. One pound of fat is about 3,500 calories. That would mean in five, five weeks we'd be down five pounds. And that's when you use a lot of these uh, um, diet recalls, like, for example, um, MyFitnessPal or that type of thing. They just take a look at that. Just take a look at that energy balance equation, okay? They're taking a look at the thermodynamic principle and saying this is what's going to happen, but that's not really what happens. The body corrects itself all the time. You're trying to find some homeostasis. So in essence, that static equation doesn't work when it comes to age, sex, your baseline weight, your caloric restriction, your hormone influences. It just doesn't happen. 
really what happens is you can see in the top blue line that it kind of levels out, that you don't just have this straight drop, straight line of, of, of fat loss or weight loss. So, for example, how's the body um, constantly moving? How is it dynamic? Well, if you lower your caloric intake, the body is going to make you hungrier, okay? And it's going to lower your resting metabolic rate to level off that line a little bit. If you increase your energy expenditure, it's going to make you hungry. And it's going to try to level off that line again. If it was easy to lose weight or to lose fat, everyone would do it. It wouldn't be such a billion-dollar industry. But it's not because the body tries to fight this all the time. It wants to compensate, okay, for what you're trying to do, that positive energy balance. What you're trying to do, the body is fighting you with this all the time. That's why it's just not as simple as calories in, calories out. And we will get into this, not so much this week, but as we move along in these four weeks, we're going to talk about some of the principles in this book and how to understand how to manipulate things like the typical equation that people use is eat less, exercise more. So E-L-E more, M, eat less, exercise more. And I'm going to show you why that doesn't always work. I'm going to show you what you need to do if that's the equation you're going to go with. Because sometimes people use the equation they want to do eat less, exercise less. Or they eat more, exercise more. So there's all four different ways we're going to take a look at that. We're not going to get into that today. I just really wanted to understand and get the, the mindset that the metabolism changes all the time. And that we can affect our metabolism. And that, yes, some people have faster metabolism, but that has to do with the lean mass. So we'll get onto that a little bit more right here. So when you tell me you have no metabolism, your metabolism is slow, your metabolism is slower because you're a female or something like that, I'm going to tell you, no, that's not true, okay? So if we were to take a look at the differences between male and females, okay? A male on average burns 0.892 kilocalories per kilogram of body weight, okay, per hour. So a 150-pound male, okay, will burn approximately 61 calories per hour. A female, on average, burns 0.839 kilocalories per gram per hour. That's not much difference from 0.892 to 0.39. So a 150-pound female would burn 57 kcal or calories per hour. That's not much different there, is it? It's not much difference at all. And if you were to um, take into account for lean mass and fat, there would be no difference. If the male and the female were both 150 pounds and their lean mass and their fat was the same, if their body composition was the same, they inevitably would have the same resting metabolic rate. Their metabolism would be the same. There's very little difference in a male and a female. Now, one thing that does happen is when a male or a female works their way into obesity, so we're going to define obesity as a BMI of 30 plus, okay? So 30 plus from um, 
if you're obese and you're female, okay, your resting metabolism now goes down on average to 0.721. So instead of 0.83 now, it's now 721, which is a big difference. And for a male, when he becomes more obese, he goes from 0.892 down to 791. Yes, obviously people are different and everyone's rate is a little bit different. These are average numbers, okay? And what we're seeing is that this it's the fat it's it's your level of obesity that's really affecting your metabolism so that's you're going to have a slower metabolism as you're heavier so you you need to probably work at it even a little bit more so there's not much difference between male and female basically the same it's obesity that changes the numbers so how come males have a tendency to lose weight easier than females because males are tend to tendency to be larger and they have a tendency to have more muscle on the bodies. Okay. So there's nothing special about a male's metabolism. They just have a tendency to be bigger. The kind the bodies consist typically of more lean muscle mass and less fat. And as we can see, muscle uses more energy than fat, which accounts for the difference. That's why men seem to be able to lose fat a little easier. But when you control for these factors, there's no difference in metabolic rate. So according to a couple of sources, the average resting metabolism for females is about 1,400 calories. And for a male, it's just over 1,600 calories. So again, this is a little bit from a couple hundred calorie difference, but that's really because the male is just a little bit larger, a little bit more, more lean mass. So... Uh, I want to go back for a second here and talk about the four phases of metabolism. Okay. And now let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about strength training, muscle mass, because we were just talking about the metabolism like that. Some, okay. So the effects of resistance training on resting metabolic rate. Okay. It's a muscle that really matters and the types of cells that affect the amount of work that they do and the energy that they burn. These muscle cells, okay? And these cells in your fat is just not very busy. They're not as busy as the cells in your muscles. So if you have a lot of lean mass, you're going to burn more calories more efficiently than someone who has more fat mass. That's why building muscles and doing strength training is so beneficial. even though less than 20% of our resting metabolic rate is attributed to skeletal muscle, the amount of dramatic effect on, on your metabolic rate is in the strenuous exercise. During such exercise, the total energy expenditure of the body may increase 15 to 20 times above its resting rate. So yes, by having more muscle on your body can affect, okay, your lean mass, it can affect your resting metabolic rate. But what really is the supercharger is that when we have this muscle mass and we exercise. So some research will show that one kilogram of muscle mass increases the basal metabolic rate or your resting metabolic rate by up to 100 calories a day. I think that number is a little bit high. 
but just putting the point there that you can increase your metabolism by increasing your muscle mass. <coughs> Excuse me. And when you do physical activity, you burn even more calories. High-intensity strength training sessions may even cause your metabolic rate to speed up for up to four days. That's the afterburn effect. That's what we try to do in our get lean classes. That's why it's so important that we use the heart rate monitors and we get that up-down motion that we get in our heart rates to get that metabolic effect. Important muscle mass. So there are actually four phases in metabolism, okay? And your metabolism doesn't slow significantly as you age. And that's what's interesting, okay? For years, you've heard that your metabolism peaks in your teenage slows down significantly as you approach middle age. But the research, some very recent research, looking at data for over 40 years, 6,500 subjects, and what this research discovered is that the metabolism crests far earlier and declines much later than it has, and it does in four distinctive stages, okay? So from infancy to age one, metabolism is at its highest, from zero to one. The metabolic rate, baby's metabolic rate is 50% higher than it is when they're an adult. From ages one to 20, the metabolism drops about 3% a year. So even in our teens, when we thought that it was in our highest, it's not true. And they take a look at the research. They see that it does drop about 3% a year. And from age 20 to 60, this is important right here. From age 20 to 60, the metabolism holds steady. From age 20 to 60, your metabolism is basically constant in both male and females. And after age 60, it slowly starts to decline about 0.7% a year. This means for 40 years, you're burning calories at a steady state, about 2,500 on average. And a 60-year-old has about the same metabolism as a 20-year-old. If we take into account muscle mass, obesity, body composition, and things like that. I just said it a minute ago. If you've gotten heavier, metabolism is going to be getting slower than it was before. But if everything is held even, your metabolism will stay the same. The fact that your rate remains steady through childhood and into your 60s means that it, you don't have to work harder to maintain a healthy weight as long as you follow a healthy diet and get the recommended amount of exercise and rest. So if we keep things constant, if we're eating correctly, we're getting enough exercise, our metabolism really isn't going to slow down as we go through ages 20 to 60, which is extremely interesting. I did not know that until a few months ago. So let's just really kind of take a look at the bottom line here, okay? 65% of your resting metabolism, your brain, your heart, your liver, your kidneys, we have very little effect on your resting metabolic rate unless we start to get heavier, okay? Our weight gain, about 1.5 pounds a year, is not due to our resting metabolism. It's due to meat and eat. So there's no sizable difference in resting metabolism between males and females when you control for lean body mass. 
65% of our resting metabolism in our organs. Resting metabolism has nothing to do with our weight gain. It has to do with NEAT, our non-exercise activity thermogenesis and our exercise activity thermogenesis. And that's what I want to do as a take-home message today. Is that your metabolism isn't slowing down unless you're doing things to slow it down. Unless you're not moving. Unless you're not exercising. Unless you're increasing your, your, your fat mass. Those are all things that are going to affect it. But if you do what you need to do, if you diet, if you eat correctly, just eat healthy. Talk about it all the time. It doesn't have to be crazy. If you're getting some exercise in, if you're maintaining that muscle mass, so important to maintain that muscle mass, your metabolism really is not going to slow down. And that's what the research shows. And that's a 6,500 subjects they took a look at. See, so resting metabolic rate has to do more with your age after 60 and your, and your fat-free mass. Resting metabolism can stay the same. So I hope this is helpful. I hope this is just really beginning to understanding as I begin to take a look, a deeper dive into this book to know and understand that your metabolism is always moving. It's, it's constantly adjusting to what you're doing and what you're doing for that day and how you're eating, how much rest you have and stress. And we're going to get into all that kind of stuff. But just the thought that you don't have just one steady metabolism is the point that I wanted to bring home today. And that NEAT, that 15% non-exercise activity thermogenesis is 15% of the 30% of your metabolism that you can control, that you have like today control over. And we're gonna get more into NEAT as we go into episode two and three of this series. And again, episode 200 will be with uh, Rachel Cosgrove where we're gonna talk about hormones and menopause. Because, believe it or not, there's no decline in your resting metabolic rate for menopause. And I'll teach you why in a few weeks. So I hope this is helpful. I know a lot of it was uh, new information for me, as I, I've learned just recently. Um, if you have any questions on this, certainly ask me. Put them in the chat. I'll be get, glad to get back to you. Give us a call at 860-673-4293. I always want to thank you for taking the time to listen to what I have to say. I think the upcoming episodes are going to be extremely interesting. And uh, I hope that, you know, I gave you more information on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. Thanks for watching and have a great evening.